New jingle, new voices. Welcome to this special guest season of Retrain Your Brain with me, chartered psychologist Dr. Audrey Tang. In this season, I am privileged to speak to so many well-being guest experts to learn all about their field and to give you loads of practical tips and tools to live your best life. Tonight, we're talking about entrepreneurship and thriving, and I am delighted to welcome back entrepreneur and co-founder of Alpha Green Marketplace and Science Center, Alexei Pikovsky, to give us his insights and top tips on developing new businesses. Welcome back, Alexei. It's such a pleasure to have you in the lounge again. Thank you, Audrey. And uh, yeah. Great to be here. You have such an interesting business background yourself. You started in financial services. You now run the fabulous Alpha Green. Please, can you tell me a little bit more about how you reached where you are today? Sure. Yeah. So I guess uh, I always wanted to be an entrepreneur and I also like to invest in various companies. And I started investing when I was 16. I started investing in the stock market. Wow. And that allowed me to learn a lot about different companies, different industries. Um, I then did various internships, including mergers and acquisitions at Nomura in 2010, which was the former Lehman Brothers. And then after uh, university, I joined them as an M&A analyst uh, in investment banking for two years. And that gave me two years of, again, working on different businesses uh, learning how to uh, analyze businesses, financial modeling, uh, and also just uh, really kind of a fast-paced environment. But I realized that the kind of really most interesting work is really when you are investing in companies yourself rather than advising companies to invest in in, in companies. That's when I joined uh, initially a hedge fund, and then I joined a family office where I ran venture capital. And so I think running venture capital, that's when I realized, okay, actually there is a world beyond finance, which is real entrepreneurship. But I always knew that it is really, really difficult and seeing so many entrepreneurs pitching us for money and trying to execute on the business plan and and often also failing made me realize it's just a really, really tough uh, game. And if you kind of want to have a, uh, decent life and decent lifestyle. Uh, staying in finance is almost like the best risk-adjusted return you can get. However, if you really want to go for the stars and potentially make it really big, you, you need to really do something on your own. Back then, I wasn't ready. Uh, I, I didn't have any idea. I didn't have any teammates. Uh, and the timing wasn't right. And so I moved from venture capital into private equity and spent two years in private equity, where I worked much more hands-on on, on businesses. I was on the board of a large chemicals company in Germany, which we ended up also selling for 350 million. I guess when I was there, I had a bit more time to, again, reflect on various startups and various startups I also looked at when I was running venture capital at the family office. And also just looking kind of always back at what I wanted to do. And it just happened that because I was trading again equities for so long, and because of course the cannabis stock market was performing really well, I thought, okay, there might be something in this whole cannabis space because it's growing, there is structural change happening, there is regulatory tailwind. 
why don't I look into the space a bit more? And so I started talking to lots of different businesses and that then led me to that business idea of Alpha Green Group, which again now evolved from just being a CBD marketplace as an additional idea to really an incubation acquisition platform in e-commerce around health and wellness. It's absolutely wonderful. And it is a wonderful site. And I really love and appreciate the fact you've got so many articles on there because it is a science center as well. And you are so great at informing the public about your products and what to look out for. And I think that's that's a very unusual part of a business, I might add, because you don't often get so much background research and your credentials really speak for themselves. And listening to you, you've had a lot of different experiences. You've learned from all of them. You've been very reflective. Are there any lessons you've learned along the way that have shifted your practice, shifted your behaviors, things that you take forward with you? Yeah, absolutely. I guess when you come out of finance, you have a very transactional mindset. So you always look for an arbitrage opportunity or how to basically make money in the short term. <laughs> um, when you are in the entrepreneurship side of things, you understand that things take much longer. Um, but you also understand that actually they take longer because you actually build something defensible. Ultimately, it takes longer and it takes more effort. And because it takes more effort and takes longer, you might as well continue doing it because you've already built something. And so while when I went into this space, I thought, okay, I'm going to raise money. I'm going to build something. I'm going to exit in two, three years. Uh, now we've been two years at it. We, we're growing from, you know, we grew from zero, well, whatever, two, two people, three people initially to now 45 people. And we realized, okay, there's actually so much more we can do. And so this transactional mindset became really much more of a growth mindset and the long-term mindset. And so I think that's kind of like one of the key lessons learned for me, yeah. That's so true of businesses now. We have to think forward into the future and not just where we are right now, because as we know, things can just change just like that. Now, in your experience, you have seen businesses, some have flourished, some have failed. You invest in businesses as well. What, in your opinion and your experience, do you believe makes that successful business? Is it the planning or the person leading it or a mixture of both or something completely different? So it, it depends on the stage when you invest in a business, which I guess a certain factor might be more important than, than in either to define the success of that business. So back when we were investing in various startups, uh, we were investing at the seed series A stage, which is still super early. Mm -hmm. um, and so uh, 60, 70% of the success is really the team. So often the founding team, right. uh, how, how complementary uh, they are to each other, how, how much drive they have, how much resilience, uh, how, what skill set they have. Uh, and I would say uh, the, the rest is probably timing, timing more than anything. Yesterday I was talking to gentleman who actually was the first Amazon aggregator out there and he launched the business in 2017 after being 30 years a senior executive in the e-commerce space so he really knew what he's doing uh, he launched it and he was pretty much forced by the investors to sell 
the business after one hour years at pretty much without like a massive success to another aggregator who's, who's again not that successful and yet in the last 18 months you had 10 billion raised for the same business model right so while he was probably very good at what he was doing and the business model was very similar the timing was just not right and you can kind of argue with sony developing kind of the the, the predecessor to the, the ipad right and then of course they are not being successful and then apple coming out with the ipad and, and being really really successful and there is other examples and so timing is really really critical and i think if you have the right team and timing and timing of course is the main factor for raising money as well you, you you raise money and if you have the team right even if the idea is wrong the team will find the right idea by having the capital to be able to pivot and enough to find the right idea yes and you are speaking there about resilience and being able to keep going or change something adapt tweak be flexible is there anything that a small business needs to have in place to be so resilient? I mean, you've talked about having the team, having the money and having the nuance and the, the ability to see what's going on and make those changes. But is there anything else that will help a small business build their resilience? The business should have a supportive investor base. So the investors, uh, a lot of people... Uh, raise money and they don't understand that the terms they might be raising the money at are very restrictive on them pivoting and them being flexible. So it's very important to have basically the full trust from investors to really do whatever you need to do to create value, even though the investors might not actually understand it because they're not day to day in the, let's say, war zone. Yes. Um, and so um, I think that's that's probably really a really big factor which allows uh, companies to find the right business model ultimately. This is so important to hear from you because I know so many, especially we're local radio, there's a lot of people listening who want to start their own businesses, but they don't think beyond just I'm able to do the thing I like doing and getting paid for it. And what you're talking about really is you must have a strategy for growth. And that's so important. So for yourself, do you have any particular business aspirations that you are going to go for? Or does anybody inspire you to go forward with your work? Well, I guess we grew. So we, we started two years ago and we grew this year for times uh we're still again not a huge business but i think i think we're quite happy with our performance um and again the goal is i guess for next year to to kind of grow the business to let's say ideally 10 million revenues that will be a combination of us growing organically but also us acquiring uh amazon brands in the health and wellness uh, vertical to basically add to our portfolio of incubated own brands our marketplace, and all of that is being powered by our growth agency, New Optima. And so I guess, you know, the ambition is here to say, okay, the next level is that $10 million or whatever pound mark. And then after that, uh, let's triple that or quadruple that again, and, and, and also go even more international, right? I think right now we're still very much focused on the UK and, and Germany and kind of starting to do some stuff in Spain. But I think obviously US is huge. So I would say in the in the short term it's still kind of staying local, but in the in the mid to long term it's going global. I think that's another aspiration. 
and then in terms of kind of idols and who I aspire, I mean, uh, there are lots of interesting, successful entrepreneurs. Nikolai, the founder of Revolut, did an amazing job, right? He um, he pretty much created something which everybody uses now every day, and it saves us so much time and, and it's so easy to use. And of course, he in the last, I guess, six seven years went from nothing to now a $33 billion company, right? And I think, uh, you know, he, he works super hard. Uh, I, I know him really well personally as well. And basically, you know, he works super hard, the team works super hard. And I think, yeah, it's just working super hard, recruiting the best people and you can build something big, yeah. And you do invest in companies. Is there a a minimum amount that a company should be turning over before they can even consider approaching you. I'm just wondering, uh, just because if someone's listening and they have a wellness brand and they do want to take it further, they're not quite sure how, would they be able to contact you and see if they could pitch before you? Yeah, yeah absolutely. I mean, we, we, we don't invest like a VC route. We would take over the whole business uh, right. to consolidate the revenue and then basically use our resources to continue to scale that brand. But we we would, of course, uh, prefer actually for the founder to join our team then uh, and be part of our group, uh, which is, I think, a lot of aggregators don't actually do. Um, and so in terms of minimum sales, we're kind of looking at 500,000 pounds upwards. Uh, but more importantly, we're looking for 20% profit margin uh, businesses. So we're not necessarily looking at like the sexiest direct-to-consumer brand ever, which burns huge amount of money on pay-per-click and is super unprofitable with the aim to be profitable in 10 years. But instead, we're looking at very niche-focused brands. A lot of them are actually on Amazon for the specific reason that once you kind of rank on Amazon really well, you have that sort of recurring organic revenue allowing you not to spend as much marketing money as you would maybe outside Amazon. And on top of that, obviously, you get that whole fulfillment by Amazon element, which allows you to also operate a very lean structure. And so that's why we're also looking at some of these brands. And yeah, absolutely. If anybody's out there in cannabis accessories or uh, health and wellness around pain, sleep, anxiety, be it uh topicals ingestibles devices uh, and even sexual wellness uh devices as well absolutely we are more than welcome and more than happy to to talk to them thank you so much for joining me again on the show alexei it's always such a pleasure to learn from you thanks so much and again thank you for having me here and yeah i hope it was helpful definitely and that's all we have time for. But if you'd like to find out more, do go to my website, which is www.draudreyt.com and check out my articles, which give you practical tools to live your best life. Or you can go to my YouTube channel, which is Dr. Audrey Tang, Tools to Thrive.